Oh, newspapermen meet such interesting people. They know the lowdown, now it can be told. I'll tell you quite reliably off the record about some charming people I have known. For I meet politicians and grafters by the score. Killers plain and fancy, it's really quite a bore. Oh, newspapermen meet such interesting people. They wallow in corruption, crime and gore. Ting-a-ling-ling, city desk. Pull the press, pull the press. Extra, extra, read all about it. It's a mess meets the test. Oh, newspapermen meet such interesting people. It's wonderful to represent the press. Now you remember Mrs. Sadie Smuggery. She wanted money to buy... The Media Project is underway. A half hour of commentary and analysis. And some days, some insight even into the news media issues of the week. And we're very happy to have you with us. I'm Rex Smith, editor-at-large at the Times Union with Dr. Alan Shartok. You doing all right there? I'm just dandy. We've been up for a long, long time. We had our regular morning meeting. I know we're going to get into this. And there was a big discussion as to what the Washington State NPR people did by saying we're not going to carry the president anymore. But let's leave that alone. I'm just introducing you, Alan. You don't really need to do the whole show. As we lead off here. I, 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 I hear you, Rex. Thank you very much. That's quite enough. Uh, no. <laughs> Where's Judy Patrick? Uh, Judy Patrick, I'm vice here. president of the New York Press Association. Terrific. And longtime editor of the Daily Gazette in Schenectady and investigative journalist Rosemary Armeo. Professor Armeo, are you all right? I'm all right, and I think I'm still on. <laughs> this is great. So, of course, I think. Listeners are becoming accustomed to understanding that radio production and a lot of journalism, as in all lines of work, is being done by remote. So we're sitting in four different locations, each of us in our homes, and there's David Gustina, our producer, is in the studio, and we are making radio happen. But as Dr. Shartok mentions, there has been some controversy about this question of the daily briefings. You know, for a long time, the White House abandoned daily briefings, but now in the midst of the coronavirus crisis, the president is appearing in the White House briefing room daily, and there have been calls by commentators for the networks to stop televising Trump's daily briefings because of the inaccuracies that he's putting out there. And at least one public radio station that in Washington state has decided for that reason to stop doing it. Interesting controversy, right? You know, there really is a lot of interest in this, and there are good reasons for it. Trump is, as I have said many times in a very abbreviated format, is a lying, lying, lying liar. So when he lies, it infuriates many of the people who are listening on the one hand. On the other, the people who listen to NPR and the people who listen to WAMC in specific are brilliant. I mean, they really are. They can tell, and he's the president of the United States. And if you take him off, then you probably have to take Governor Cuomo, who's been doing such a magnificent job, off also. But there are a lot of intermediary steps here. So, for example, you can just cut him off as the questions come from the press. But why would you do that? Because that's when the best analysis and the best holding him to the truth really is. So now we're in quite a kerfuddle. And I'm fascinated by what you guys have to say. 
so I've been long of the opinion that he is the president. Of course, you have to cover him live. But I've come around now. I've watched too many of these briefings in which you, he spews information that is having, you know, a terrible impact on the country. There are lies. There's misinformation. What we really need is to hear from the scientists and not hear from the presidents. I think there are intermediary steps you can take. For example, the networks are talking about having a real-time fact checker post information alongside. You can't do that, though, in radio. So what can we do? He has used them as substitute for rallies. And I loved hearing from the scientists, from the medical professions. Even I, I don't mind hearing from Barr. And Mnuchin, but the president is not a good spokesman for us at this time, not even an inspiring one. No, I I disagree. I think that people are taking comfort in hearing from the president, even while they're lies. They like hearing, oh, by Easter, we will aspire to be back on route. And evangelicals and conservatives and many of the people who are not big Trump supporters but are patriots are rallying around the president. His approval rating has never and higher. And there's a reason for that. If he's conducting them like a rally, that's the opinion of the press. If we pull away from him, which we have never done for any other president, we feed the idea that the press hates him and is out to get him. And this is one more act of bias against him. But what do you say, Rosemary, to the notion that the president's comments are endangering American lives? by declining to take action that is forceful by saying things about drugs that are unhealthy. I think uh, we've seen the story of the woman who heard about the drug combination the president was recommending and went out and bought cat food, was it, that had the same ingredients, and her husband died and she was put in the hospital. If the president's comments are so far from factual that it's endangering people, how can the networks deal with that? Rex, the media has never been in the business of censoring. That if there's snake oil, that's not censoring. That's the misuse of the word that we've never allowed that word to be used in place of editorial decision making. Censoring is what a government does. You know this. Censoring is what a government does. If you cut off the president of the United States, you are censoring his action. You know, I, I hate saying this because you know I hate it, but I think the press is covering it the way it should be. He puts out misinformation. There are consequences of it. The media covers the misinformation, says it's misinformation, and then covers the consequences. And that's what the media is supposed to be doing. I agree with you, by the way. I agree that this is the appropriate course. What I am disagreeing with is your use of the word censoring. The media does not censor. Governments have the power to censor. What we do is edit, produce, and make valid journalistic decisions. That's a very different thing from censoring. And we have always tried to stop people from using that word because it's not an accurate representation. This is like us saying in the media, oh, well, there's a big difference between the editorial page and the front page. I see it. You see it. Those readers out there do not. And they do not see the difference between the White House shutting down a book written by a critic and the media saying, no, we don't like what he's saying in these conferences, so we're not going to cover it. They may not. It appears to be the may not. The public may not see the difference, but you should, Rosemary. You're a journalism professor. You should not be using the word censoring so casually, so cavalierly. That is not what the media does, and you know this to be true. I am put into my place. I think you are. The media is handling it properly by airing this and then pointing out when the president is exaggerating, when he's going against the lines of scientists. I wouldn't 
fail to carry it either. I just don't think yeah, that that is in any way censoring by any definition of the word. Okay, so we're getting into an inner discussion here as to about the word censoring. Nevertheless, Rex, I just think I heard you say something. I want to make sure I heard it right. You would not take him off the air. Is that what you just said? Correct. And why wouldn't you take him off the air? What would be the reason for not taking him off the air? Because of his position. When the president steps to the podium, he has a particular role that is important for us to hear. We need to know what he's saying. It's relevant. So, yeah, I think he needs to be heard. And I just I do wish that the other officials who stand up next to him would be even more gutsy. I mean, Dr. Fauci has gotten himself thrown off the podium sometimes. It seems <laughs> by openly disagreeing with the president. And there is reporting indicating that President Trump is getting very frustrated at being corrected by Dr. Fauci, even as gently as Fauci does it. I wish he would be more direct and say, I'm sorry, what the president just said is not correct. He is so gently so as to not offend President Trump's very fragile ego. But <laughs> I'd like to see them even more so. Yes. You know, Fausti's even older than I am, and that's pretty old. And I have to say, I think we need him desperately from the inside. And we know that this president fires anybody with impunity. He doesn't stop. And he has never stopped. No matter how important they are, no whether they're a four-star admiral, whatever they are, he doesn't stop. By the way, Rex, it's an interesting question. As an editor of a newspaper, you would never say, let's put the president on page four as opposed to on the first page if he is saying something about how he will sign a double-trillion-dollar bill, right? I mean, to some degree, you may not want to call it what Rosemary is calling it, but you may, in fact, be uh, making judgments about how much he can be heard. Right. We make judgments all the time about how much weight to give to something and how much attention to pay, and that's part of the editorial process. That's what we're hired to do. And I think the proper editorial response on the president speaking out is to give him his due. I would make the argument that there was news value in what the president was saying during the first week or so of these daily briefings, but it has degenerated at this point into name-calling of the press. It's just a lot of poppycock, and you can't trust that the American public is going to discern the fact from fiction, and they're not going to stick around for People saying, well, he got this wrong and he got that wrong. They're tuning in and tuning out. Let's note that the viewership is incredible every day. Everybody's at home, have nothing else to do but to watch these news briefings. Compare the Trump briefings to the Cuomo briefings. Cuomo's are fact-filled, full of information. And even at the end, while he offers his opinion, it's something that is inspiring, that offers leadership. It's not the nitpicking, name-calling, the self-congratulatory comments that Trump is notorious for. The press gets into trouble any time that it tries to impose its judgment of what the American public needs or can discern. We got into trouble with this during discrimination, when we did not cover segregation as the evil it was, slavery, the same thing. And we're in no position now to say that what Trump is saying is wrong and the people will not discern it. We discern it. Why should we not expect our fellow Americans to also discern it? And if they and don't, that's on the president. It's not the duty of the press. That's the duty of the press, not the duty of the press. And Judy, you know, right, that the minute we take the president of the United States off and have Andrew Cuomo, who you respect, doing his thing in the morning, there will be hell to pay. 
So uh, I don't think you can downplay the intelligence of the American people, even though his numbers are going up for, I think, the right reasons that Rosemary has laid out. As the head of one radio station, I can tell you we had a morning meeting today, and we talked around and around and around. And in the end, there was no question we were not going to take the president of the United States off the air. Well, this you will probably week. We'll see what you say. <laughs> That's right. There's always a consequence. But I think that the people who listen to WAMC and to public radio have a brain. One guy wrote me a letter, and just before we came on today, I had a wonderful conversation with him, and he laughed and carried on. Look, a lot of what people are saying is born out of frustration with this lying, lying, lying president. But he is the president, and the way out of it is an election. That's the way out. Now, you know, this is a different matter from the responsibility of journalists well, it's the same thing to challenge the president when it's wrong. When the president went on to Fox News for the Fox Town Hall, he was appearing with anchors Bill Hemmer and Harris Faulkner, who are not commentators, but they are news anchors for Fox. And still, his repeated misstatements were not challenged by the anchors. Um, they did a terrible job. Oh, yes. They did not ever question him. They didn't say, oh, April 12th, how did you come by that date? Doesn't have anything to do with Easter and your evangelical support, does it? Did the doctors agree with this? Nothing. There wasn't even the slightest challenge. In fact, one of the anchors said, oh, wow, really? In awe. Right. It was It yes. was a disgraceful journalistic performance. It was not by any standard competent. And during this, in fact, the president went after Andrew Cuomo, read a headline from some organization called the Gateway Pundit, which is basically a fringe outlet that peddles right-wing conspiracy theories that had said that Cuomo rejected buying ventilators in 2015, established death panels and lottery instead. And Trump read this aloud on Fox News, and the anchors didn't challenge him at all. You know, it's, it's Fox News once again showing that while it poses as a legitimate news organization during the daytime hours, it is not ever a legitimate news organization. Well, it could be that they're stupid, you know, and they don't know anything. And therefore, <laughs> how could you expect them to say anything? Well, and the difficulty is this. The vast majority of people who identify as Republicans are largely distrustful of legitimate news organizations, and they primarily turn to Fox News and other right-wing sources for information. And so they buy into this when Fox News fails to do its due diligence. So I guess it has always been thus, right? We can't really imagine it changing. Again, I think the real media is doing the right job, which is pointing out what Fox has done wrong. We cannot force people to listen or to read the right things, the things we want them to. That's the quandary right there, which is the power of the propaganda like Fox News. It's, it's maddening. But stopping our coverage of the president would not help because Fox will continue to cover him. You even see it at the daily briefings where the president will repeatedly call on the Fox News reporters. And even, you know, he congratulates those reporters for good questions. And he chides the mainstream media reporters for having bad questions or nasty questions. That's its own level of propaganda. Even when NBC's correspondent, Peter Alexander, served up a softball question, what would you say to the American people who are frightened? He attacked that. It would have been so easy for him to answer that question elegantly, but right. uh, instead he attacked the reporter. Right. 
Weird. He said it was a nasty question. You know, Can you imagine? Actually, Britt Eumann, Fox News, agreed that it was it was a gotcha question. And, and not in a hundred years can I see it that way. It's like, what would you say to the American people who are afraid? There's no way that's a gotcha question. Even Pence, who is not a brilliant man, parlayed it into a very moving and, and a good answer. So Trump... I don't know. It was like he was just mad at at the media. He has had this pent-in fury. You can sense impeachment and before, since the Mueller report, actually. And it just came bubbling out at that one particular time. It was very odd. Right. Well, Britt Hume has <laughs> is just one of the most disgusting people on TV. Anyway, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what can you say? The problem is that now these Fox News stars are pushing Trump to end the restrictions, with Trump suggesting that maybe he'll end the restrictions in the country long before the medical experts believe it's a good idea. Of course, the Fox echo chamber is supporting this and saying it's time to get this out. Laura Ingram, for example, saying that doctors shouldn't be determinative voices in policymaking because, uh, well, they're going to have jobs anyway when this is over. It's pretty stunning because when you consider the power that Fox has over a certain segment of the American public, it's quite irresponsible for them to come through with it in this way. You know, here's another case where I think the media is playing to Trump's strengths and we should not be. Peter Baker of The New York Times noted that he's given himself enough wiggle room. What he's done is said aspirationally, we need to stop the lockdown. We need to get back to work. And he has said, I'm going to listen to the doctor. So every time he's spoken about this, he said, no, no, I'm going to listen to Fauci. I'm going to listen to everyone here. But this is what I'd like to do. I don't think he's going to ever do it. I don't think he even thinks for a minute that it's possible. But the idea that he's pushing to go back to work, that's the message he wants. And he's getting points for that. There's reasons that his approval rating is going up. And the media has to, I think, we have to get over ourselves. We have to say, just like Peter Baker did, he's got it right. He's saying this, but he doesn't really mean it. Here's what his actual intentions are. Yeah, a little bit more nuanced. Yes. I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. If you're just joining us and wondering what you're listening to, it's Media Project from Northeast Public Radio. Alan Shartok, Rosemary Armeo, Judy Patrick, and I'm Rex Smith. And we invite you to send your thoughts, media at wamc.org. We're always happy to get your thoughts and your suggestions for topics we might want to take up, because that's how it works in the media these days. You know, one of the elements that we're seeing is that there's even social distancing in the television programs, right? All the media have to adapt to this, or actually, I got a letter from Raider saying we ought to call it physical distancing, not social distancing, because it's not our sociability that we need distance from, it's just our physical selves. But, you know, I think that the TV shows that we see, TV news shows, are appropriately modeling the American public when the president and all of his team get up in front of the White House briefing room. There is no such social distancing. So that is kind of sending a bad signal. They've all been tested. Unlike the rest of us, they can actually get tested. They all know that they're negative. I guess that's right. How long will that last? I mean, you can get tested and the next day you can get the disease. But I wanted to talk about something else, Rex, if we have a couple of seconds, and that is I hear there are major economic consequences coming to the news media as a result of this and that there are layoffs and furloughs and that an already decimated media scene is getting worse. Am I alone in having heard that? 
You're exactly right. Judy's probably best in touch with this. What do you hear from the newspapers in your network, Judy? So what happens at a time when the communities need the news media and, and their local newspaper the most, they're struggling to pay the bills because a chief source of revenue, the advertising, is going away as local businesses close. And as we all know, those local newspapers were struggling in the first place because a lot of their advertising had gone to the digital platforms like Facebook beforehand. So now they're getting really hit hard. A lot of the small newspapers around New York State are hoping this federal stimulus bill will at least provide them some temporary support so they can keep reporters on staff covering the news, but we're already hearing about closures. Not a ton, not dozens at this point, but it's slowly happening. And as this continues, it's going to continue to hit hard. I'm seeing some newspapers really step up and try to keep putting out great newspapers every day. But at the end of the day, you've got to be able to pay the staff, and that's a real struggle. Yeah. The parent company of the weekly newspapers in Ulster County, there are several of them, has announced that they're giving up their print edition. The same thing, I believe, has happened across the state line in Massachusetts. The Waterbury, uh, no, I'm sorry, uh, Waterbury, Connecticut, the Waterbury Record has now ceased publication. That's a newspaper that's been published initially starting in 1895 and uh, then started over again. The Vermont Community Newspaper Group is what it's called. So we are seeing the the effects of it beginning, but even on dailies uh, that have been relatively healthy, uh, like my own, there is a significant amount of loss of ad revenue. And uh, I think there's a good chance that a lot of newspapers are going to find that their profitability has absolutely evaporated this year. You know, you're going, you're, going to, you're going to call BS on this one, uh, Rex. And, uh, you know, I, just as early as this morning in our morning staff meeting, I asked that question, what was happening with our underwriting at WAMC, which is, of course, not advertising. And the answer was nothing. In other words, we're doing quite well. I wonder whether there's a distinction between newspapers and other kinds of radio and television. Well, I just think that you're a not-for-profit. I think you ought to be concerned and have, if I were in your shoes, I would be planning for what might happen if I had to, if the fund drive doesn't yield all the dollars. And also, your operation is in dollar is a lot smaller. It's a lot less expensive to do WAMC and Northeast Public Radio than than the Times Union. So you can get by with your size budget as opposed to what the Times Union is doing. But I would I imagine that you you might be worried that your uh, contributions from listeners surely will be affected as people simply don't have the money to to give some. Uh, three million people filed for yeah. unemployment last week. You know, yeah. we've never had a week when three million people filed for unemployment. And I think some of those people are bound to be WAMC listeners who usually would give you some money. You're absolutely right, of course, about that. However, we haven't seen it yet. I just want to say that. The underwriting people are sticking with their contracts. And, uh, you know, uh, some of them are pushing it forward and saying, OK, we want to be in, but we want to wait pay and afterwards, that kind of thing. So. It, it is interesting. And of course, Rex, I know that you might take some umbrage to this. You pointed out that your newspaper and so many others are private companies, and they have to pay out to the profit side. In other words, somebody has to make money in order to keep that operation going. We don't. We have, of course, we have it. It's expensive. Uh, there's no question about it, but we don't have anybody making a profit from WAMC. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and a I great can, benefit. And let mm-hmm. me make the point that the, a, a lot of newspapers are operating on a very slim profit margin. Sure. And in many cases, uh, longtime owners are, are pitching in their own money to keep the thing going just out of a desire to help the community. We did an interview with the Berkshire Eagle publisher the other day. And when somebody wanted to know the figures, he said, he said quite properly, I don't tell you that. Uh, this is a private company. Well, anybody wants to see how we're doing goes to our web page, and there it is. It's all laid out, laid out. So you can't have it both ways, I suppose. Well, I suppose that's true. You know, we yeah. Let's hope your underwriters stay in business because once they go out of business, they won't need to be underwriting anymore. That's what the local newspapers are facing. As all these small restaurants, uh, all these businesses close up for good, then they don't need to advertise anymore. That's the issue. Yeah, it's that's not. I, I think uh, it's true. It's, it's not that people are not being generous with their news source. It's that advertising and underwriting are not what they need to do if they don't operate. So you just have to hope that your underwriters can stay in business. That's why we love our underwriters, but okay. I I hear you. I hear you both. You make good points. We'll hope for the best. Okay. We unfortunately have run out of time for the media project. Yes, it's true. It's it's a simple half hour every every week, and we're uh, very grateful to our listeners for joining us and to David Gastina for making sense out of it all from uh, our remote locations here. Alan Shartok, Rosemary Armeo, Judy Patrick, and I'm Rex Smith, and we thank you for joining us on The Media Project. With other actors upon a living stage now, newspapermen are such interesting people. When they know they've got a people's fight to wage Ting-a-ling-a-ling newspaper guild Got a free new world to build Meet the people, that's a thrill All together fits the bill Oh, newspaper men are such interesting people It's wonderful to represent the guild Now you remember Mrs. Sadie Smuggery The Media Project is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Alan Shartok is CEO of WAMC, Professor Emeritus at the State University of New York, commentator, columnist, and author. Rex Smith is editor-at-large of the Times Union. Judy Patrick is the vice president for editorial development for the New York Press Association. And Rosemary Armeo is an investigative journalist and former chair of the Department of Journalism at the University at Albany. You can listen to or podcast The Media Project anytime at wamc.org or just download Download the WAMC app for your iPhone or Android at the Play Store today. Thanks for listening. Meet such interesting people, like the richest girl who could not bake a cake. Ding-ling, ding-ling, ling-ling, ling. Now newspapermen are such interesting people. They used to work like hell just for romance. But finally the movies notwithstanding, they all got tired of patches on their pants. They organized a union to get a living wage. They joined with other actors upon a living stage. Now newspapermen are such interesting people. When they know they've got a people's fight to wage. Ting-a-ling-a-ling newspaper guild. Got a free new world to build. Meet the people, that's a thrill. All together fits the bill. Oh, newspapermen are such interesting people. It's wonderful to represent the guild. Publishers are such interesting people. Their policy is an acrobatic thing. They claim to represent the common people. It's funny, Wall Street never has complained. Ah, but publishers have worries, for publishers must go. 
to working folks for readers and to big shots for their dough. Now publishers are such interesting people. It could be prostitution, I don't know. Ting-a-ling-a-ling, circulation, ting-a-ling-a-ling, advertising, get those readers, get that payoff. What a headache, what a mess. Oh, publishers are such interesting people. Let's give free cheers for freedom of the press.